Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God's wisdom is always superior to the wisdom of man. So these guys are clueless. You had a dream. I, don't, I have no idea what that means. But look at the reputation of Daniel. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of, notice, my God, not the real God. And the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Do you know that you have the wisest one of all at your disposal desiring to help you? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that God's wisdom far exceeds man's wisdom. In the book of Daniel, as King Nebuchadnezzar was confused by his own dreams, only the wisdom of God through Daniel could reveal them. The king and all of his own men were clueless. How often do we try to manage our lives according to our earthly wisdom? How sad that we so easily forget the resource we have in the Holy Spirit. Take advantage of all the wisdom God wants to give you today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Daniel as he begins his message entitled, God has taught me a lesson. He is in control. I'm sure this week uh, you didn't use the word sovereign because when we mention sovereign, it kind of directly relates to God, but it's a unique word in itself. So I want you to think in the human kind of way, not with God, who is sovereign in your marriage, in your home? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Who's sovereign at work? Is it the supervisor, the boss, or do you think you're sovereign? How about in school? When you refuse to take that exam, that makeup, who's sovereign? Is it the teacher or you? You say, well, Pastor Mark, I can't answer that until you tell me what like, the definition of sovereign is. Okay, here it is. Sovereign. The verb sovereign means this. To rule. Means king, master, absolute ruler. Now, wives and husbands, let's have a little discussion. Who's the absolute ruler in your home? Wife or husband? I got your attention now, don't I? See these things? That's what happens when we're here. You can continue that this afternoon. There's, you can come actually on Tuesday night for the elders to pray for you, for your marriage to be restored. Okay. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, why are you mentioning that word? Because that's what this whole teaching is about. You see, God's going to teach a lesson to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is a unique passage. The only one like it really in the Bible. The person writing this chapter, Daniel 4, is King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a pagan. He doesn't believe in God. 
So somehow he and Daniel, they're writing this. And you'll see this kind of in the first person. Now, how many of you, you got a book, you started reading it, and you went, yeah, I wonder if this is really worthwhile. And you skip to the back to see how it ends. Come on. That's exactly right. Well, what you're going to see in verses 1 through 3 is the end of the chapter. At the beginning. So watch what King Nebuchadnezzar has learned. It's huge for us. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. So he's writing this to all the nations that he captured. And he says this, it's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the most high big G God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That sounds like our church doctrine. Now, how in the world did he get there? Well, that's a summary of what he learned. And you and I are going to learn a lot this morning. Now, this is written about 20 years after what we studied chapter three. So chapter four is about the personal account and the the rise and fall, kind of this Gentile king. And uh, he thinks he's sovereign. He thinks he's in control and he's gonna come to learn that he is nowhere in control. And the only true God is the king, and he alone rules. Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, this is a great thing, but it has nothing to do with me. Oh, yes, it does. Because another definition for sovereign is this. I'm in control. Now, I won't ask how many of you are control freaks, but you think you're in control. You are never in control. I am never in control. Now, watch what happens as we learn together. Verse 4. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was at home in his palace. Look at it. He was contented and prosperous. He was secure. He said, I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind, look at this, terrified me. So here's King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he's contented. He's prosperous. He's secure. We would say today, I mean, he has it made. Uh, he thinks he's in control. Who in the world is going to challenge the, the most powerful man in the world in those days? Uh, nobody's going to challenge him. Now, realistically, he has no need for God. Vera, Sebastian, no need. But God gave him a dream to capture his attention. Do you know God knows how to get our attention? Oh, he definitely does. And he's going to teach him a few lessons. And one of the biggest lessons you and I need to learn, we have to be reminded of it. And I want you to write it down on all the campuses. Now, remember, all of us that you're here today, just write this down. God is God, and we are not. If you're texting somebody, stop it right now, because God's watching you. And you write this note down. All of our campuses, this is not a place to text. You can pray to God later. And you just write this down. Let's say it together. God is God and we are not. Some of you don't agree with that. At the end of this lesson, oh, you'll agree with that. Because he's going to grab your attention. So verse 6. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon 
be brought before me to interpret this dream for me. When the magicians and enchanters and astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Duh. How many times did he bring these guys in and they could never interpret it? Duh. The king is not very smart. He didn't learn. He goes there again. So here's what you need to remember. God's wisdom is always superior to the wisdom of man. So these guys are clueless. You had a dream. I, don't, I have no idea what that means. But look at the reputation of Daniel. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of, notice, my God, not the real God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. Now the king thought that Daniel operated through the wisdom of the gods, little g-s, many. But that's not how Daniel operated. You see, Daniel operated through the Holy Spirit of the true God. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there, but the Holy Spirit only came upon certain people for certain times. And when he came, the Holy Spirit would minister and they would have the wisdom that they needed during that time. It was very selective. But when we come to the New Testament, what we discover is this. On the day of Pentecost, 120 were in the upper room. How many received the Holy Spirit? Every single one. You see, we're way better off today. Understand this principle. When Jesus said to his disciples, I'm leaving, I'm going to heaven by the way of the cross and resurrection. And the disciples said to them, well, wait a minute, since the very first day, you said, follow you. We've been doing that every morning. Who in the world are we going to follow now? And Jesus said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. And watch this verse. But when he, the spirit of truth, the spirit of the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. So what did that mean? When you become a Christian, God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. It's not for a select period of time. It's not for one little time and then he leaves you. We don't go and say, well, you in the third row, you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, for the next two weeks over here, you have it. The rest of you have it. No, no. He, everyone has it when you become a believer. So I want you to write this down. Christ follower, we have God, the Holy Spirit, living in us. He's a revealer of truth and wisdom. You have God living in you, access to God the Spirit of God. That's where Daniel's going for the interpretation of the dream. Now, look at verse 10. The king explains what he experienced in the vision. These are the visions I saw while lying on my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew strong and large, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the fields found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. Now, in the ancient world, a tree was a frequent symbol of a kingdom, a worldly kingdom, and its ruler. 
So this description of the tree says, King Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is vast. It reaches to the heaven. It simply reaches all over the land. It's visible to the ends of the earth. And he's saying to him, God was through this, this kingdom was so powerful, it was providing for people all over the world. It was very fruitful, even the, even the animals and the birds. Now, verse 13. In the, the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and therefore, there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. Of course, this is an angel. Now, why did God send an angel to King Nebuchadnezzar? Because God had been watching the lifestyle of the king. Can I remind you today? God knows everything and God sees everything. As we sit here today, he knows everything about you. There is nothing hidden from God. Of course, we hide it from other people, but there's nothing hidden from God. And that's a good thing because he's able to challenge us, convict us to get right. And so that's why he's coming. He does not like what he sees in King Nebuchadnezzar. So he sends an angel to kind of warn him. Now look in verse 14. And this angel cried out in a loud voice, cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter the fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Now you can already begin to see here in Melbourne, Vera, Sebastian, that doesn't sound good. Now look at verse 15. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze Remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man. And let him be given the mind of an animal. Till seven times pass for him. Now we're at verse 17. I want you to write it in your Bibles. Just write key verse. This is the key verse of chapter four. And Nebuchadnezzar continues. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living, all this message goes to all the people, that the living may know that the most high, speaking of God, say it with me, is sovereign. He's the ruler. He's the king. He has it all in control over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. Here's another definition of sovereign that specifically applies only to the one true God. Sovereign. God is in control over everything and everyone in the world. That covers you, that covers me. That covers atheists, agnostics, Muslims, Hindus, whatever. It covers everyone. Now, notice Psalm 113, uh, 103. The Lord has made the heavens and, and his throne. From there, he rules over how much? Everything. He's in control, ultimate control. Now, Revelation. God is above all things. And before all things, he's the alpha 
He's the omega, the beginning and the end. He is immortal. He is present everywhere so that everyone can know him. Colossians 1. God created all things and holds all things together. Everything that was created was created by God, both in heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible. Listen to Romans. God knows all things, past, present, future. There is no limit to his knowledge, for God knows everything completely before it even happens. You see, God is the ultimate source of all power, of all authority, and everything that exists. Only God knows and controls the future. It's God's sovereignty that makes him superior to any other religious person. Muhammad, he's dead. He has no authority. He's gone. He's finished. And if you worship an idol today, the idol can't speak, talk. He has no control over anything. You created the idol. Man did. God is the only one that's superior to every other God. And that makes him the only one worthy to be worship. Can I hear an amen? Because he's the living God. Why would you worship anyone else? Now, verse 18. This is the dream that I had, King Nebuchadnezzar. I had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. Duh, we've been there. But you can because the spirit of the holy gods, remember he doesn't understand it, holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, called Belteshazzar was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that God gave Daniel the interpretation of the dream. And you'll see in a moment, this is not a good interpretation. How would you like to be Daniel? Well, king, in a little while, your kingdom's going to be cut down to nothing. You're going to live like an animal for seven years. Anyone want to change places with Daniel? To the king. So notice, Nebuchadnezzar notices that Daniel is going like, (laughs) notice what he says. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies. And it's meaning to your adversaries. So the interpretation shocked Daniel. See, his whole life since he was there as a young man, 16 or 18, he was trying to win over the king to the one true God. He'd become friendly with the king. But how in the world could he give this difficult news that's devastating to the king from God? He didn't want the messenger to be killed. He's just the messenger. He didn't know what to do. But you're going to see something, and I want you to write it down. Daniel would speak the truth in love. Daniel had a pastor's heart. He's not going to say to King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, I've been talking to you for 30 years. You've rejected my God every single time. He's here to get you, baby, and he's going to take care of you. I tried to tell you, you stupid man, you. No, he's not going to do that at all. He's hurting. He knows there's a problem. You know, he's going to tell him the truth. Look what Paul said to his young protege, kind of a young pastor. I have it for you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, all our campuses. Preach, Timothy, preach the word of God. Not a word of God. 
The whole word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. By the way, it's not favorable today. Patiently correct and rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Why? They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Just tell me how good I am, how blessed I am, that I can have all the prosperity I want. Don't ever mention sin to me. Don't talk about persecution. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. What do you mean those people in Pakistan got killed last year for Christianity? Don't ever mention that to me. That's not going to happen here. Everything's wonderful. Just tell me what I want to hear. Well, that's not right. Look at this. Read this with me in all the campuses. They will reject what? The truth. And chase after miss. Do you know why many churches are emptying and going to churches like that? That's exactly why. Oh, that church talks about sin. I'm not going there again. Really? Really? You want to be deceived into a myth? No, not at all. See, Daniel knows that God is bringing, he brought this dream for correction. All of us need correction. See, that's why pastors are commanded to teach all the word of God. Even as I'm teaching already this morning, God is using those four little things right there to speak to all of us. Of course, he speaks to me earlier because I'm studying this weeks ahead of time. And God is speaking to us today. Now, how does this dream work out? Look at verse 20. Daniel's gonna say this in love. The tree you saw which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing fruit for all shelter, beasts, nesting places, its branches for there. Verse 22, you, O king, are that tree. Whoa. Nebuchadnezzar, no wonder you're panicking. It's all about you. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. So he starts with good news. You're amazing, king. You're amazing. But then the bad news. Verse 23. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree, destroy it. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. In other words, the tree's cut down, but the roots are going to be saved. That's a picture of what's coming. God's going to say to him, you can be restored. And he says this, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass for him. Those seven times are seven years. God's wisdom is always superior to the wisdom of this world. Today, we learned from Pastor Mark that God is God and we are not. So quit trying to succeed at life on your own. As a Christ follower, you have God, the Holy Spirit, living in and through you today. So take advantage of that. Do you need to surrender more of your life over to God today? His decision-making will far outweigh that of any man or woman. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. As Daniel approached the great King Nebuchadnezzar, what was his heart? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will show listeners how Daniel spoke not out of a heart of pride, but one filled with humility and a call to repentance. The truth he spoke was out of love. In the same way, we must be sensitive in our presenting of the gospel while not deviating from the truth of the message so others might see Christ in us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting.